Hey tribe, welcome to Word Up with Danny Katz, your one-stop 5D superhero listening spot. Now, here at Word Up, we host a number of different podcast series, including Words Are Matter, Planetary Service Announcements, Witchy Life Hacks, The Conscious Awesome Show with my amazing co-host, Justin Polgar. It's where we play Spot the Propaganda together, and it's where we have high-vibe, deep-diving conversations with amazing humans. So be sure to hit that subscribe button and stay tuned for this week's episode. Today's Conscious Awesome show is called Surprise! Not sorry. Before we dive into it, be sure to hit that subscribe button and to follow us over on Locals, consciousawesome.locals.com, where we host all of our Conscious Awesome videos, live streams where the community drops in, trades brilliance and ideas and superfood recipes. As well, you want to head on over to yescacao.com to stock up on your favorite high-vibe adaptogenic chocolate and nab yourself a copy of Word Up! Little Languaging Hacks for Big Change, which is Danny's book, which features this very languaging hack that inspired today's show and that Justin invented. Enjoy! Hello and greetings, our conscious, awesome audience. Yes, if you're here and you're listening to this, that means you're conscious. Congratulations. And you are awesome. Double congratulations. My name is Justin Polgar. I am your co-host alongside with the lovely, the one and only Danny Katz. Hey! P.S. It's 111 Mountain Time right this second. Oh, just switched, but we got it in. That's amazing. Mine just switched in Pacific Time from 1211 to 1212. 1212 has a nice ring to it also. It does. I love that one. We're allowed. Uh, based on our, our podcast of uh, tracking synchronicity and numbers, numbers and time being such an easy, uh, low-hanging fruit for tracking synchronicity. Totally. Uh, we're, we're continuing that trend. In fact, we don't ever stop. No, it's a constant by the way, just for my own edification slash slash our listeners, would you be open to defining low-hanging fruit? Yes. Low-hanging fruit. Low-hanging fruit. Let's give it a go here. Uh, in its simplest form, it is the fruit that is ripe and most available to pick. I think uh, the, the image of a, of a juicy, ripe fruit, heavy on the branch like bringing the branch down within reach. You don't have to go reaching, uh, you know, climbing the tree. It's not effort. Uh, it's referring to a, an, a non-efforted or minimal efforted reward. I'm so happy that I asked because this phrase has, has entered your lexicon, I think just in the past few months. And I think that in my mind, I had, um, I'd already received 
it had like a twinge of derision. And then hearing you define it, it sounds so lovely. It's completely changed how I receive that phrase. I'm really glad we had this moment together. I am so glad that we can have a shared definition moment. Shared definitions rock. So important for having conversations that are the same conversation, not two conversations that are weaving in and out of each other or running parallel, totally nonsensical. Aho. 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 What are we talking about today? Well, uh, right before we were recording, as we were getting kind of warmed up and our voices on the mics here, uh, we were talking about the energy that we output to be conscious awesome um, and to really show up for our friends, family, even strangers. Uh, we were talking about uh, when someone asks for uh, a, a reference or they say, hey, I'm, I'm doing, I'm trying to find this information. Can, do you know, do you know where I can find it? I mean, in most cases, I'm going to the Google or <gasps> DuckDuckGo or yeah. some Please search engine. Google. No or, Google. Yeah. No Google. Go- Google's dead. Google is, is, is not dead, but it might be soulless. Google is compromised and does not give us um, fair, objective search results. Oh, so if we're looking for fair, objective search results that are factual, Google's not the option. A million percent not the option. Let us remember who owns Google and what their interests are and that that is shaping their content. And I don't want to take us in too weird of a direction, but also keep in mind that they also own Wikipedia. That's a very convenient, it's a very convenient uh, asset. And, well, you know, not own, but donate $10 million. <laughs> donate millions and millions and millions of dollars for year, which is not a no strings attached offering. Have you, um, have you done any Wikipedia posts where, where you... Ad. Yes. It's an open source yes. platform, supposedly. Well, it's um, allegedly an open source platform, except it isn't at all. Nassim Haramine has been taken down like 10 times. <laughs> that's, that is mind-blowing. Especially because he, he has clout, and he also has science. Right, but science that challenges the dominant science. I once, I think we might have talked about this, the, the Wikipedia search for pseudoscience. Any natural healing, anything falls under Wikipedia's pseudoscience. So you think about it. If it's open source, then why would someone who thinks astrology is a bullshit pseudoscience take the time to write an astrology entry? That doesn't really make sense. Or chiropractic. Or kinesiology. Well. There isn't right? even a Nassim Haramine in Wikipedia. Right, because they keep taking him down. <laughs> <laughs> what about in, in Google? I like that we're, we're... I like, you know, when you're, you're watching uh, YouTube videos or listening to podcasts or some kind of um, independent media, and, and there's, a, there's a searching, there's a live feed. There's like, I'm going to look this up while we're talking kind of thing. I love right. that. Yes. That is what seems to be happening. <laughs> well, it um, looks like um, he's still allowed on the Google searching. 
Right. I think it was Teresa or Martin who told me that they kept pulling Nassim down um, when I was doing Richard Rudd's Wikipedia. And it's it's like you have to be a coder as well to, to load something on that platform. I've loaded things on it. Tr- I attempted. I did. I went through the process of adding Yes Cacao um, into Wikipedia you know, to, for, for the links, but then also just so that I had a space where it was like, this is a defined entity. Felt like an important thing to do. And, and like three days later, it was gone. And then I did it again. I did it again, and then it was gone again. Uh, and there's no reason. It just disappears. It's not like uh, we haven't verified. It's, I mean, I have a website. I have a Facebook and an Instagram, and I have all of these social media presences. So for Wikipedia to say I'm not real is a strange thing. I'm not verified as a real entity. Maybe if I started buying more Facebook ads, they'd be like, oh, <laughs> oh, he's real. Well, I was listening to um, Adam Curry on Joe Rogan yesterday, which I highly recommend. And he was saying that now they, they refuse to verify him on on Twitter, even though he's like, I mean, you know who he is. He was like one of the first MTV VJs. He invented the podcast. Um, Did he invent he, the podcast? He invented the podcast. And even Steve Jobs gave him credit for that because he was working with Steve Jobs to put the podcast that he invented on iTunes and the iPod and whatnot. And he was saying they refused to verify him and that he takes verifications as indications of like compromised you know, sort of like CIA insiders, and he he only prefers unverified users at this point. Oh, this is like um, me searching for pseudoscience to know exactly. what the real message is. Right, right. Exactly. It's almost, you know, in some ways, we're looking in the perceived shadow for the light. So it's actually that we're living in the shadow and we're actually having to... The, the shadow is the low-hanging fruit here. The light requires effort to sift through. Oh my God, so much effort. Well, so much to not take in, you know, it's like, I'm realizing more and more, it's just like uh, protecting the sanctity of my consciousness and not allowing certain types of programming or media in. Hey guys, it's Yitzi with Did, did that come through? It, oh, it is that? coming through. I can, we can all hear it. That was a, I guess we just advertised for the Megatoke mentor. It's a funny <laughs> name. Megatoke. He looks pretty high. He actually looks familiar. I was like, I've seen that guy in a pot shop before. I know that guy. Now I just pulled up the, uh, the Curry Rogan uh, to bookmark it for another moment. One. And, I mean, as long as we're talking recommendations, the offset video that I sent you. Phenomenal. Oh, my goodness. Did you listen to it? Was that so good? It just put, put me in a trance. Uh, same. I'm listening to it for a second time. It was like she is just channeling pure, high wisdom, truth, capital T truth. Powerful. She speaks, she speaks Wakanda. What is Wakanda. Um, it's a it's a word that I associate with. Uh, it's a word that I associate with 
the geographic location of Africa and the deep wisdom that transcends our historical knowing. That feels correct. I just got to like, show you know, that. The, the societies and secret societies and not so secret societies that have existed for a bajillion years. I love, I, I do really love the, the amount of information that has uh, become available. I love I don't, that. I, have I mean, feelings about it. I mean, th- I, I, I just, ha- I, it, it's actually asking me to have the onus. Is that the right word? The, the onus to discern what is real and what is not, instead of having someone else tell me what's real and what's not. So when I come across something that says there have, um, there have been civilizations, uh, like humanoid civilizations, whether originally terrestrial or extraterrestrial, for millions of years, and the whole thing has reset, you know, X amount of times. Um, you know, 10,000 times. Is that verifiable? Uh, and not from our current material reality. And Yeah. Oh, go ahead. And it's like, cool, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that people get to have creative expressions and creative historical reference points. I, I don't think that we have a shared... I, I don't think that using a shared historical a shared story for our history is is all that beneficial i mean it's beneficial for some but you know because history is written by the victors it's a it's a little bit of a strange it's a strange thing that we all need to agree on some factual static history story well, that's the breakdown right now it seems like we don't agree at all um, and really quick, just to invite our listeners deeper into this <laughs> sort of meandering conversation, the video that I'm referencing is on Lucid Living TV, and I cannot recommend this YouTube channel highly enough. This woman speaks deep, deep, powerful truths. She's very naked with her evolution. I've I've seen I don't know I've been since you first sent me her video maybe like a month or five weeks ago, you turned me on to her channel. Yep. And I've seen her evolve significantly in these in these last five weeks. Samezies, and I love how how raw and authentic she is with her transformational process, and how because she's also so young, or she looks so young, you know, and there's. She looks, she's gorgeous. And there's so yep. much permission in it, you know, and, and permission in the way that she expresses, like, she's just such a great living example of an evolving human. Yeah. It's like, there's an inner glow and an outer glow. And there's a, an integrity about the relationship of the two. Totally. Yeah. I really appreciate that. And as far as what you were saying before that, about your loving of, of the amount of information I had a call earlier today with a book marketing guy um, who wanted $50,000 to market my book and guarantee me placement on the Wall Street Journal's top 10 bestseller list. Is that the going rate? I think that might be a little high for a bestseller, even though I know you can buy that. I, I mean, I was asking him about 
you know, the ethical considerations of his job and if he had any misgivings. And he was very open. And I wasn't like, I wasn't coming at it from a judgmental place. I was just like, this is, this isn't landing right. And I'm just curious, like clue me in. But I was asking, I said, is it possible in 2020 for someone's book to make it to those bestseller lists without them buying readers or buying reviews or like, like what about the cream rising to the top? And he's like, no, there's too much information. There are too many people writing books that doesn't happen anymore. And I didn't really take his no, like, I don't believe that, you know, like I believe in his expertise for sure. And I still believe in quality, but that's something that as a journalist that I've seen change so drastically over the past 20 years is like, okay, now anyone can put anything on the internet. And um, I think it's sometimes it's harder for people with more expertise or more experience to be heard if they're not like hustling or taking bikini selfies. You know, like I look at the the coaches who are the biggest and have like the biggest followings and they're like, they're not necessarily the best coaches. They don't necessarily have the best material, but they're super slick titties aesthetically. You know, it's just a different game now to try to get people's attention because everyone has the megaphone. Yeah, it's, it's a, it, I mean, no, to reduce it, I would say these are strange times we're living in. And we're also living in times when marketing is is seemingly everything. Yeah. Everything in, in getting traction. I mean, here here's the thing about the New York Times bestseller. There's a, a it's a short time. It's being devalued so rapidly because of tactics like that. Where I don't I don't care if something is a New York Times bestseller anymore. I mean, what's the value of that if not to um, you know, be on a podcast or to uh, be written about? So, I mean, there is a currency. It's kind of like uh, if you want to uh, have a, a, a company at a festival or something, and now they ask, well, how many Instagram followers do you have? Or you want to be a speaker at a festival, you have to have a certain amount of, of following. It doesn't matter if those people are going to be at the festival or not. There's just, they're looking for credibility. So there's a game to hack that credibility. And part of that is having super fans. Part of that is finding, you know, really penetrating a specific segment of the market with your authentic voice. And they are really deeply drinking the value that you're providing. Having, having that type of base around you, sometimes that's enough of an audience. You know, who is it, Kevin Kelly, that has uh, the thousand true fans? Yeah, Seth Godin talks about that as well. Um, and that's more valuable in, in sustainable, in, in actual long-term value than, say, uh, you know, let's say you get on the New York, let's say you give this guy 50K, which I don't think that's, that's his offer. Okay, cool. I'm sure we, you could probably work out something else with him. He's actually looking for, he has a lot of options of people to, that are looking for that. But he also, because he's a human being, has a curiosity and, a, and an interest in, in bringing creativity into the mix. Uh, I think that there are ways, 
Um, if not him, then some other one, somebody else who also does his job. Justin, uh, I did not reach out to this person. This person reached out to me out of the blue to get my money. I'm not looking for this. I'm not, I don't want to play this game this way. I don't, I'm not aware of a spare $50,000 just hanging out in my underpants drawer. Like I don't want, I want to put out good quality content and trust that the right eyes will find it. I am not interested in buying likes or buying reviews. I, that whole thing just feels gross to me. It, it is. It is. From, from where we're coming from, from where we're coming from, there is a, a lack of transparency in a world that trumpets transparency. Does our world trumpet transparency? Oh, I mean, it's, it's, it's in the lexicon. People speak it and people share it. Who? Where? A lot more. I don't... People speak it and say the word transparency, authenticity. It's easier to say than to do. I mean, that's like the word. It's become as meaningless as the word woke. Exactly. <laughs> um, hold, hold on one, one moment. I just need to go push a button. I had to push a button over here. Justin's pushing button. Thank you for listening. I'm still not entirely clear what today's show is about. If you guys have figured it out by now, then let us know. <laughs> I guess it's a really heavy button. Okay, I'm back. Did the button pushing go over well? It was great. I had to bring, uh, I was bringing the temperature of the chocolate that's tempering up just a tad bit, just a little bit. I got intuitive hits about these things. I'd like to share what I'm drinking right now since our show seems to be about kind of everything and nothing at the moment. <laughs> I, I did have an intention getting into it. We may we may still go in. Oh, let's go, go back to it. I'm, but I'm going to share my beverage real quick. Please do. Because, because I moved into a place that's furnished – I love the sort of imposed limitation and, uh, and, and as well of like what people give to me. So um, my friend gave me a jar of Shungite pieces and then um, Guru Jagat gave me a bottle of rose water at her birthday thing. Mm. And I have a new water filter machine that comes off the side of the refrigerator so I now keep a carafe of Shungite rose water available at all times. And I'm drinking it now and I feel very special and regal at the same time. Also EMF protected. I can feel that permeating the airwaves into me at the moment and our listeners. <laughs> we are all protected by my Shungite rose water. That's the true true. Totally. And so, I'm excited to serve you some when you come visit me. I'm excited to drink drink my water brother. I like that everyone's a water brother. What's a water brother? Uh, you know, Stranger in a Strange Land? Stranger from a Strange Land? Is that a book? Did you ask? You did. You just asked me that question. Stranger from a Strange Land is a book. Is it Robert Anton Wilson? No. I'm ducked up going. It's Robert Heinlein, who I quote yes. frequently. I'm 
weirded out that I don't didn't know that. I am assigning you to read that book as soon as possible, as okay. soon as it makes sense to. I'll get it from the library. Great choice. I'm a fan of the library. It's but, definitely at the library. Okay. You were um, leading us to our topic, 22. Not was. I still are. am. It's I still am leading us. It's one, two, three, four in the Pacific time. Yes! At 2233. Yeah. 22.33 into our podcast. Uh, yes, so I've been cruising around this morning running some errands and uh, just telling people it's a good vibe Friday. and Because today is a Friday. And see, it really seems to perk people's interest. There's a, there's a subtle smirk, if not leading to a larger smile, uh, when I share that high vibe Friday. And, uh, you know, there's no reason that any other day, any day can be uh, any segment of any day can can have within it the seed of a higher vibration, and it's just about watering it along the way. Okay. And you know, there's a there's a way to do it in such that your cup is being filled. You are inspired by the little gifts and gems that you can share with your community. You know, without going so far as to over-explain or to try and get the other person to get it. Actually, I'm just offering things. Okay. Offering things. And one of the things that I realize is a, is a great pattern interrupt and a great way to, to, shift, to shift the vibe. Because as soon as someone says sorry to me Ugh. in a grocery store or um, you know, even mouthing sorry to me while at a stop light and I, or, you know, I'm at a crosswalk and I've stopped my vehicle and the person is walking by and they look at me and they mouth sorry. And I'm confused because I don't... you hit the gas pedal and run them over? <laughs> no, I, I mean, I could just put it in neutral and rev the engine. Not with the intention of scaring the person, but just to let them know that the steed with which I drive grumbles affirmation. Arr, to your sorry, uh, you know it's like it's the intention behind the honk is is everything. Do you have a standard sorry response? Mine is apology rejected. I know you you have that, which is I think a little. Um, that's a pattern interrupt. That's definitely. I think it can be a little jarring. I, I have tend a, towards the jarring. <laughs> I have a. Do uh, have a uh, a method. I have a standard response. I have a, uh, I just keep this one really near. When I bump, when I, and I encounter someone who says sorry to me, which, mm -hmm. you know, it happens. I mean, people start listening to it. When you start listening to how often people say sorry. It's ubiquitous. It's, it's very eye-opening. It's the it's unconscious sorry. Because they're not actually like, well, it, it depends. It's weird. It's misused. It's misused. And, and the way that I explain it, it's a very easy one. I say, do you know that anywhere that you say sorry, like you just said sorry for, you know, almost bumping into me? And they're looking at me like, oh, no, is this person going to be upset at me? I say, right. do you know you can replace all of your sorries with surprise? And there's this light. Oh, right. There's of course you have levity. surprise. I do. Surprise, not sorry. 
I can't believe right, that I asked right. that. It's a whole section in my book. I, I thought you were maybe, I thought you were like <laughs> prompting me. I was like, oh, nice one, Danny. Um, <laughs> yes, it was an alley-oop. Um, slam dunk on this one because if, when you take, not if, when you take the surprise, not sorry, out into the world is so entertaining, both for yourself, because A, you have an icebreaker, you have a way to initiate conversation with people which is actually more of a response. So you're, you're actually not even initiating it. The other person is inviting you most of the time unconsciously, but that's okay. Most of the time we're speaking through and to the unconscious. And uh, yeah, people say sorry. And I say, do you know you can say surprise anywhere that you say sorry? And they look at me with a little bit of a, huh. And I say, if you throw your hands in the air just a little bit too, it's even better. <laughs> so. So you go, surprise, and you put your hands up. There's a little bit of a, a peace offering in that. I'm opening my hands, and I'm showing them to you. So you can see that I have nothing aggressive here. There's, there's a gentle, open, da-da, and it's like, surprise. Because in truth, in, in authenticity, I am probably surprised, and you are surprised, that we have either bumped into each other or something out of what we had expected to happen arises. How is that generally received? With with great uh, cheer. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, sometimes, uh, sometimes there's a huh, you know, and and I'm going to chew on that, you know, or like the, there's a a little bit of skepticism which I welcome. Uh, and sometimes, if I get the skepticism response, I'll I'll say, okay, maybe not everywhere, but. And, I, and then I get to have a little bit more of a, of a conscious conversation with them where I say, but really what we're doing is I don't think that you or I are sorry. Most of the times we say sorry. I'm, I'm saving my sorries for when it really counts. I, I was just surprised that we bumped into each other. So I'm going to say surprise. If there is something that I need, I need and I feel like really deeply that I need to say I'm sorry, I want to be able to jerk some tears out. I want it to feel <laughs> in my whole body a full sensation of sorrow that I can really feel in this human experience. And then that, that authenticates the sorry. Because then it's like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. And it's rare, actually. I mean, at least in my day-to-day, -day, I, I feel like it's rare to have those really authentic sorries. I mean, if I make a mistake and it causes someone harm or someone to be hurt, um, that is not necessarily, I am surprised by that. But depending on how I, uh, my empathy is, is opened that day, that might be a, hey, well, I, I'm, I'm sorry that you, I'm sorry that, that I contributed to this discomfort and it wasn't intentional. So surprise. You can yeah. still soften the blow that way. Yeah, and I also think like that's that's one of the main issues with the overt slash misused sorry is that it takes any gravitas out of the appropriate sorry. You know, like if someone is apologizing to me all day long for nothing, then when would they, you know, like spill something on my sheepskin meditation rug and ruin it and say they're sorry, I don't know that I'm really going to believe them because it doesn't seem like they understand what that word means or how to use it. That would be a great, well, that would be an opportunity to say apology rejected. Please explain. 
Please explain yourself. When you say sorry, what are you experiencing? Please right explain now? what your sorry really means. Yeah. yeah. Everything, everything is an opportunity for us to have deepening. You just get, you're just a continual inviting people into and up Ooh, I like through. That. I mean, a masterful social shaman. A conscious, masterful social shaman is able to take any interaction and weave into it awakening. Do you consider yourself a social shaman? Yes. I thought about that for a second. And and allow me to define shaman. Great. Because it does get a lot of, it gets a lot of use these days. Uh, social shaman, I'm not just, uh, I don't have like a little spray bottle of ayahuasca that I'm spraying on people. <laughs> um, uh, when I say shaman, and I take this in the, in as ancient of an understanding of shaman as I can, or as I, as I understand, uh, to shaman, which I like to use shaman as a verb, is to use the environment and the tools and resources around you and in you for to pull something to pull the things around you in for a specific purpose or uh yeah uh to shaman things this is good to actually work this out verbally because i have this in my mind uh where i i'm gonna utilize my environment as a tool set I'm going to utilize my internal and external environment as a tool set. The, the benefit of that being I always have tools, always, every which way, have a tools. A-L-L-W-L-L. Double L, as in yep. the directional, not the spatial. I mean, Correct. not the time, but the space. Refer to episode one for an extended explanation of this. Thank you, DK. <laughs> and in the one of the benefits of being a, a social shaman or, or really tapping into that, because I think anyone can really tap into the channel of that. I just happen to tap into it often enough to feel like uh, comfortable in that space. Uh, there, there is very rarely a time or an opportunity to feel victim to a scenario when we are aware of the tools around us and inside of us. I like that. It makes, I mean, I really like your use of the word shaman as a verb and it totally resonates. And I like the empowering quality of like, how do I tinker? How do I alchemize with all the elements involved? I mean, it kind of ties back to what I was talking about with the Shungite rosewater. It's like, okay, I have these elements at my disposal. How am I going to alchemize them to optimize my life? And so that's what I'm hearing you say as far as shamanizing as being a social shaman or any other type of shaman. It's like, these are the elements at play here in my environment. How can I best utilize them to optimize my experience, the collective experience, the social experience, et cetera. Is that, is that accurate? I'm nodding. I'm nodding. I, love I think it's a, it's a skill set that we teach at the school of yesology. And it's something that, uh, it takes practice. There is some falling, failing forward. Mm -hmm. There is some failing forward with it. And 
what a great way to be interactive with our environment. What a great way to engage with the presence of mind it takes to, to recognize the tools and then to use them. You know, when, um, you know, when you're how about instead of put it on you, uh, when I am feeling foggy in my mind or under the weather, sick, something it, like it's interesting to me that I have all of these tools to pull me out of my immune system being weakened by something or, you know, when my immune system is being challenged, I, I know all of these tools around me. And if someone came to me and they say, I'm feeling like this, I pull out all this, these things, or maybe I'm having them do a breath thing, or I'm holding an acupressure point. There are different things. Though when I find myself in, in a disconnect, or, you know, kind of, what, what's the word? Less than optimal. What's the phrase? Compromised? Then when I find myself compromised, it's very challenging to find those tools. I'm like reaching where, what, I know I know how to do this, but what, how do I do this again? What, what do I need to take? And sometimes uh, that practice of being a, a shaman and, and recognizing your environment and your tools, it makes it a little bit closer to access. Plus if you're shamaning for other people and then you're around people, then they can help you remember. And kind of turn on, turn on, because it's not just about an individual. It's about an it's a community environment. If we're all shamaning each other, if we're all surprising and not sorrowing our each other, when we're coming together consciously and awesomely, then it definitely makes it it makes it a much more accessible thing. It's like uh, when when you started uh, when you turned me on to hidden language codes, and we had. I don't know, maybe there was a group of us, maybe eight or 10 people that were all engaged with this upgrade language with discarding the weakened words and using empowering words. Everyone started calling each other in and there was such a support system about that. I, I really appreciate that. Yeah, that was awesome. That was such a great time and so helpful. And I, I, a lot of things are coming to mind because I'm similar as far as like, when someone's sick or injured or anything, I'm right there with like different ways for them to optimize. And when it comes to myself, like I, I have historically forgotten that I have all these tools. So it does really help to have all those extra eyes. And as far as like alchemizing the group, I just figured something out because my natural inclination when I'm in any group situation is to be tracking the whole, to be tracking the collective, what is going on in the room, who needs what, what needs tweaking. And, and in the past, I've been annoyed when people aren't attuned to what's best for the whole and they're not paying attention. And I literally just realized this in the past few weeks, not everyone's wired like that. Some people go into a room and aren't actually aware of everything that's going on. So for me to expect them to be making choices um, that would honor the optimization of everything going on isn't really fair because not everyone is tracking reality that way. I only just figured that out now. <laughs> it requires, that's, that's a beautiful thing to become aware of. And I'm going to confirm that. And it requires... Uh, an awareness of the presence, like to, 
of the present moment. So in order to have the, how do we optimize this? We have to know where we're starting. Where, where's the here and now? Yeah. Oh, well, when you say that, it makes me think of Guru Singh saying, like, you can't get to where you want to go if you don't know where you are. Like, you have to plug that into the GPS. Is, is that what you're saying? Yes, yes. And, and that skill set isn't, um, isn't common sense or common knowledge. It's, it's probably the most sensical, but it's not so common. You know, it's like tapping into your senses brings you into the present moment. Okay, now when that becomes more common and people are more associated with their senses as a doorway to the presence of this moment, now we can start knowing where we are. Then, only then can we start to move the needle in a specific direction. Otherwise, we're just puppets. Yeah. Let's all take a deep breath in and release our, our puppet tendencies in favor of sovereignty. Yeah. I yes, really yes. appreciate the invitation for the breath. That is, it seems so simple. And such a transformative reset. Really love that. There's a lot. There's a lot that we're holding at any given moment. You know, the, the other day I was at the grocery store checking out, and uh, uh, Jason, the checkout guy, because I, I just know the people's names, Jason had said something uh, like, how, you know, how's it going? Yeah, because that's what we do. Um, in a in such a repetitive way, when you're in when you're in that position of a grocery checkout zone, and you, every single person has it going, how, it becomes a repetitive thing. Totally. And um, so I like to to disrupt that and and answer super authentically instead of saying I'm okay or good, whatever. I'll say something like, you know, the day has been moving faster than I expected. I think I'm I'm riding it pretty well. There's been some some moments where I, I didn't know kind of how I was going to transcend a challenge, but you know I drank some water, took a deep breath, and really surrender has been my ally. <laughs> 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 and he's like, never surrender. And I was like, really? That's what you heard out of that? I was like, I'm pretty sure you surrender most days. He's like, ah. And I was like, no, really, like your exhale is your surrender. And to me, even just speaking that, I don't know where that came from, but that just really helped my shoulders drop a little bit. And I did a little exhale on that. He was a little resistant to it. And I said, you know, if you exhale and you surrender, surrender is not a static thing. Surrender is not a forever thing. You have to constantly make that decision to let go and surrender. Don't worry your physiology, your patterns will tighten up again <laughs> just by virtue of habit. And to, uh, to invite that surrender, is, it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. You might enjoy it. it. might help. Did he embrace it? No. <laughs> I get to work on him every time I go to the store. Does he know your name as well? Um... I think he knows me as the yes guy. Okay. That works. Yeah, that's cool with me. I don't um, I'm unattached to the to the result. For me it's just fun. 
for me, it's just fun to practice my shamaning and to hear the words that are coming out of my mouth because they're, they're generally not pre-programmed. I mean, some of them are like surprise, not sorry is pre-programmed. But what happens is the bumper before and after that is just pure entertainment to me. I feel the same. And it's also like, um, I'm like taking culture's pulse and I'm trying things out. Cause I'm, I mean, you and I are, are similar that way, just being playful and, you know, with strangers in lines and check out people and whatnot. And a lot of times I'm just like, let's take the pulse of culture today. Like, let's just see where people are at. And I'm not attached if people are going to play with me or receive me well. It's awesome when they do for sure. But it's, it's just another way of like reading the collective. It's a fun feedback loop. Exactly. I mean, this is a shamaning tool, right? It's like, I'm going to use the collective to help me know where I am in relationship since everything is in relationship. This is all relatedness. Yeah, I really like the social shaman thing. I'm going to chew on that a little bit more. Um, Justin, I'm curious, 43 minutes in, what's our show about today? I, I I was I titled it "Surprise Not Sorry," uh, thinking that that would would weave in. Um, oh, surprise! Not sorry. Though you know, maybe "Social Shaman" is the name of the of the episode. Well, okay. I like to talk. I like "Social Shaman," and I like "Surprise Not Sorry." And I noticed. Have you noticed this? That I'm really. I don't feel like I'm one to play the woman card, you know, like as a woman moving through the world, I feel like an empowered being. I feel like I have every right and opportunity that everyone has. I don't feel hampered by that. One thing I've noticed in my experience, it does feel like women will throw out the extraneous, useless, sorry, more than men. Like I'll bump into a woman and she'll say sorry, which is crazy. Like I just stepped on your foot. Yeah. Or like I'll be waiting for the public bathroom and a woman will come out and see me waiting and be like, I'm sorry. Like for what? Getting here before I did? Um, what's your take on that? Uh, I'm going to say I think women are, they say sorry. I think women say sorry more often than men. Uh, I also, I also there's a little bit more of an apologetic culture for women. It's a deeper, it's deeper inset. And I mean, it's, it's deeper. Yeah. It's deeper set in there. Um, I think there is a lot of genetic repetition for women having to apologize for who they are, where they are. But that right there, I'm going to, having to apologize. And this goes back to Asset's video that I'd mentioned that I'm recommending to everyone on Lucid Living TV is that we do it to ourselves. We don't have to apologize. We choose to apologize in that moment. Someone I don't even think it's a choice. I don't, I, I don't know that that is a conscious choice to apologize. I think it's a knee-jerk reaction. It's an unconscious disempowering habit that we put upon ourselves. I don't think anyone's expecting us to apologize for all the dumb shit that we apologize for that doesn't warrant apology. We do it. That's a great point, is that I don't think anybody's expecting us to apologize 
for the majority of the things that we are saying sorry for. And there's a difference, too, about apologizing and saying sorry. Sorry and apologizing are different. Totally. Do we know the etymology of apologizing or of apologize? No, but what popped to mind was apoplectic. Apo, apostrophe. Like a an add-on or a... I mean, I can look it up. Let's look it up real quick. I love we come that up our, with we similar... stuff up on our podcast. I really enjoy that about yeah, us. We have permission to do such things. We do. I, I'm coming up with Apo is away and Logia. Logia is... Uh, so it has a Greek the origin. And so, yeah, Apo logo. So it's the, the away story or maybe someone's push a speech in one's own defense. Yeah, so that's what I'm looking at is the defense justification. So when someone's saying sorry, they're defending their armor, right? It's like, and I'm so attuned these days to the languaging that creates armoring or that inspires others to feel like they need to armor, right? That conflict stuff. So it's like, it's like a pre-defense. It's almost I mean, if it's a defense justification, I'm going to pull that back. That may then indicate the invitation for an offense. Right. That's where and I was going with it. I know. I know. Oh, I know where you were going with it. <laughs> because of the duality set that is, um, that is, that we're occupying. Um, yeah. Yeah, that by saying sorry, we're inviting somebody to take the offensive to, yeah, I think subconsciously we are um, kind of admitting defeat in some ways. It's an interesting thing because it really comes into conflict with this, with this idea that we are free people living in a free society. I mean, that is just such a sham on so many levels. But it's interesting as far as like, I, don't, I feel like right now I'm like pulling the thread through the head of the needle and like trying to grasp onto it. But I'm noticing in our culture these days, like how many positions will like inspire conflict in others and like seemingly there's like this ruse of, of, of trying to avoid conflict and that the means of trying to avoid conflict only engender more conflict. So where's the, where's the solution in that, you know, when I say solution, it's very challenging to separate it from the idea that a solution is water based or some type of like we as human beings being 60, 70% water, whatever it may be at any given moment, that that we are solutions, but and how how do we become the solution for you know not avoiding conflict, but also not not on the other side of that instigating conflict. It's more it goes, of a this it goes back to just extricating ourselves from duality entirely. Because it's like like when people say, you know, I don't mean to insult you, 
okay, you've just brought insult in. So now what I'm, as we're talking this through, I'm realizing like when people say sorry to me, it, it's inferring a conflict that I don't even want to buy into. I don't want to play that way. So I don't want to, I don't want to be on the receiving end of a sorry, a defense that's alleging to not be in conflict. Cause if we're alleging to not be in conflict, then we're invoking the, the energetic frequency of conflict and we're bringing it into the room. It, it goes back to like, just like extricating ourselves from the whole construct, the whole us, them, the whole that there's anything to apologize for. I think I'm not, I hadn't realized this before, but I think when people say, sorry, it puts me off because it already, it just puts separation between us that I don't even want to have to dance around. I don't even want to bring it into the room. We're on the same team. There are no teams. Do you think it's being used as the temporary feel good or a way to relate? And that's how I, that's how I see it coming through in ways that are, are most socially acceptable are when it's a space of connection and when it's a space of making a bridge so that someone feels seen and understood. Um, I just think, you know, there's a balance to that. If it's, if it's going overboard, then, then we're wallowing in some type of sorrow or sorry or apologetic space you know, there's a there's a space for the whole there there's a there's permission for the entirety of the human spectrum of emotion of of sensation. Otherwise, Ooh, we wouldn't be. We are cutting out a little bit. Yeah, a little bit, but just a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah, I do think it is. And going back to social shamanism, I do think like of course none of this is intentional, right? I do think it's people who are wanting to relate, who are wanting to connect who are wanting human interactions to be peaceful, but they don't realize that the tools that they're using are actually creating division and implied conflict. That's the bummer is how like inadvertent and unconscious um, separation mechanisms are in our culture. Yeah. They're very, very near the surface. So near the surface that you just skip right over them when going deep, uh, you know, cause people are reaching for, for connection. We are, we, we reach for connection, but we don't need to reach for connection by virtue of being here. There is connection. Uh, it's, it's more, there are the, the other layers that are, it's, it's mostly, I don't know if I want to just tack it on to ego, but, we do have an armor and a certain persona and a certain ego that we are upholding. And in order to serve that entity, as opposed to serving the larger entity, the nameless, the infinite from which we come. And, you know, he, she, who, who has sent us here, um, and is the permission of all creation and destruction and the whole thing by serving the, the ego and the feel good and the, the avoiding conflict by serving that paradigm, we're so easily distracted from the larger picture. You know, what comes to mind, even in just hearing myself say that is spiritual bypass, which, Mm -hmm. you know, which is something to be aware of as well. You know, it's, it's a, we're not trying to ignore 
the human experience of having an ego and a persona. We're just not becoming victim to it. Would you speak more about that as relates to spiritual bypassing? Yeah. Um, can you can you prompt me with a definition of spiritual bypass just so we can be on the same page? As far as what my definition of spiritual bypassing is? Yes. So I see spiritual bypassing as like um, an, an avoidance of the shadows and like um, like claiming to vibe high by sweeping things under the rug, by not integrating super things, certain things or denying certain things. Um, there's like a, a lack of integration in spiritual bypassing, not, not feeling certain feelings because they're dark or bummer, you know, like, and, and granted there's, there's something you said for not wallowing or not indulging, not indulging, but to properly integrate and be fully whole. I feel like, um, there has to be room for shadows and a lot of spiritual bypassing seems to skip over those from my perspective. What, what's your definition of it? I'm, I'm simpatico with that. I think there's, there, it's mostly within the realm of denial and mostly in the realm of avoiding shadow. Yeah. So the, the solution of that, or maybe one solution of that, so as not to make it a polarity here, is to be inclusive of the shadow. Uh, without it be, you know, without be, being inclusive of the shadow and the light the dynamic between the two, so their, their relatedness, and then the container with which the two sit, or the three sit, if you include, for including the relationship. So it's the whole yin and the yang. Now, to transcend the spiritual bypass means to be inclusive of the whole. What comes to mind, actually, is that, um, that Netflix show that just came out, the Messiah show. Did you see that? Did we talk about this? You've mentioned it, and I haven't watched anything, it, but, and it is in my mind to touch in on. Well, I, th I think that that is one of the first, it's one of the first examples within entertainment media that I've seen an enlightened person or a, a, a an avatar of spirit being portrayed not as just light and not as this you know, there's a, a little bit of a paradox in the main character, which I think is very accurate in the same way that there's paradox with a lot of the great spirit, spiritual teachers, because there's a human element. And there's also this, this invoking of all, you know, we're not, we are, we're calling out what is wrong, what is dark, what is shadow. We're also calling out what is light and what is right, and what is opening. And without avoiding either, without avoiding either, I think that the, the solution through spiritual bypass is, uh, is to acknowledge but not uh, use it as an anchor. It's to acknowledge a shadow or acknowledge a denial, or acknowledge what is coming to the surface as it does, as it's coming up, acknowledging it, and not trying to put it in a box, not trying to create a relationship 
to it that positions us as separate from the event, the energy, the process coming through. That's what it's so interesting to hear you describe it like that. Cause that's what I get from surprise, not sorry. It's like, mm. it's an embracing of the shadows. Like there was a spill or there was an elbow thrown and that's, and a full on acceptance of that versus something that we need to reject and or defend. It's really fun to do with kids, specifically when you're raising a child. Ah, so is Orion fully inculcated in surprise, not sorry? He's a great reminder. I mean, he's my he's my feedback loop because of how often we spill things or we, you know, things happen that where he's because he's surprised all the time, <laughs> all the time. He's in a state of enlightened surprise, Aww. and it's amazing to me too because he'll you know uh, he'll want to drink out of his own cup um and i'm like okay here you go and i'm holding on to it and he's like no i want to do it by myself and i'm like okay here we go <laughs> here we go and it will spill and he says uh-oh and i go you know my my response can be like uh-oh and surprise and or you know I, I i like to change it up so that it's not that anything is an uh-oh because there's such a, a a stop of the energy in that totally it's like a dun 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 yeah there's you know there's a tent you know there's a tendency as a parent to want him to have a, a somewhat similar experience to his peers so that there's some type of a shared reality but not not really wanting to subject him to the to the entrapment of something is wrong things need to stop yeah. Oh, that's such an interesting line you're walking. I hadn't thought of it that way. Yeah. Um, as far as wanting him to have the shared experience, and yet I know you're not a cookie cutter. <laughs> I'm not a cookie cutter, and it is 111. Yeah. Had so many beautiful synchronicities in this delicious episode. Surprise, not sorry. I love that. Uh, we're hitting, I we're right at about too. an hour. Um, I, I think that we've we've really brought uh, each other and also our audience into a pretty deep contemplative space uh, for, for how we're moving about in a conscious way, in an awesome way, and in a way that is helping us to, you know, socially get our feedback loop and then use the tools around us uh, for reminders for awakening. Also, you know, it reminds me a social shaman training tool. And I love that you do this because when I'm at your, when I'm at any of the houses where you have lived, uh, you have all these reminders and these little post-its and little, little framed notes uh, to, to stay checked in. That is also, those are, those are social shaman tools and that's a tool set. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I, I like the social shaman thing. I feel like we can do a few episodes on this. I feel like this could be installment one. Surprise, installment one. Social shamaning. I love it. Wow, we went to some cool places today. As we do, DK. As we as. do when we let it flow through. Um, I love you. I love I'm you too. I'm so appreciative of you. I am crazy. I'm crazy about you, DK. Uh, which is another episode that we can jump into. 
being crazy, which is another element of being a social shaman. Praising, 100%. Praising what it is you want to see grow because where we put our attention, that's what gets the energy. So maybe we bookmark that for next week for our next I podcast episode. Please know that the feeling is super very mutual. And thank you to our audience for listening all the way through and for sharing and subscribing. Thank you. Thank you. Check out our show notes for all the resources that we touched on. And um, feel free to message us. Reach out on social media. Reach out. Uh, yeah. Find us. Find us. Find us. We'll talk duck, with you duck, about duck, all duck. this stuff. Duck, duck. <laughs> duck, duck, yo. Thank you, DK. Oh, like thank that. you, audience. And um, have a conscious, awesome day. Thanks, Justin. Peace out. Peace in. Peace in. Peace in. Peace in. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. Be sure to give it a like to share it with your nearest and dearest. And remember to subscribe to the channel so that you don't miss a single episode of your very favorite podcast, Word Up with Danny Katz. We'll see you soon, tribe.